I'm Lindsay Wilson, and this is Business of Glam, the podcast where we discuss business, beauty, building your best life, and everything in between. On this episode of Business of Glam, we sit down with therapist and coach Brooke Jean to learn about the beauty of living unperfected, how to live your most authentic life, and so much more. So grab your journal. Trust me, you don't want to miss this episode. So thanks for joining us, Brooke. Tell everybody who you are from episode one to or season one mm-hmm. you were on with us but reintroduce yourself to everyone back again back again back again so my name is Brooke Jean everybody and I help women and mamas find freedom through a life unperfected so through a variety of stuff we do counseling we do coaching we do brain spotting EMDR training now retreats workshop facilitation we basically guide women to let go of who they think they're supposed to be in order to create the life they've always wanted. So that's what we do. I love that. Yes. (laughs) We we help women break through barriers holding them back of who they really are and what they want most in their lives. So what, so tell everybody, sorry, (laughs) as I like knock something already. Cheers. Um, Tell everybody a little bit about what's changed since season one, because you've now since created this unperfected. That's right. Right? You that was not your brand. I was, uh-uh, I was Brooke Jean counseling and coaching. You were. So tell so us a little up. bit more about like what's happened in the last few years for you and your business. Yeah. I feel like it's funny because the process that I've gone through in that question you just asked me, the evolution of my brand has really mirrored the work that I guide women through of like the evolution of who they really are. So You know, you start your business, you kind of just throw things at the wall, you see what lands, you start working with people, you start identifying where you can make an impact and where you feel your best. And about five years in was when I started really playing big and just leveled up massively with a rebrand to The Unperfected, which because I live out loud, I embrace the messy, I normalize fucking normal. So I love to talk about the things most people are too afraid to talk about. I created a brand that allowed me to be me in my most authentic expression, which totally felt a lot more safe than being (laughs) a typical therapist, right? Um, So the more I peeled back the layers to figure out who I was without apologizing, I built a brand that emulated that. And so since then, we launched a new website. I've grown, I have a team now. We are able to do different things, but we've gotten really clear on who we serve and how we help and what the larger mission and vision is. So um, I also, through the pandemic, noticed that so much fell on the moms and the matriarchs of the houses with, you know, going to work at home and then managing the remote work, no remote work, managing their children's emotional well-being. I noticed that so much of that was falling on to women and moms. And in this last few years since we talked last, I identified this parallel, this rise in expectation on mom and women and also the rise in her mental health issues. So as women, we now are the sickest we've ever been. We have the most cases of depression, anxiety, PTSD than we've ever had. We are drinking, eating, and spending more than we've ever spent. Myself included, right? I don't even have kids at home. You don't have to, honey. Listen, you just feel that the cat pressure. Brian, he <laughs> is enough for me. He behaves like a three-year-old, <laughs> really, really, really sensitive child. 
Um, so I got really passionate about, you know, if I look back at the history and the role of a woman and the role of mom, which I know looks and takes on a lot of different shapes and forms, you don't have to be a woman to be a mom. The point is, is we've just taken on more and more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. We used to keep up with the Joneses and now we keep up with the Kardashians, but we've never let anything off of our plate. And so Unperfected was born out of, if we don't let shit off our plate, if we don't say no and set boundaries, if we don't lower the freaking bar we're killing ourselves behind closed doors and myself and my clients on the outside you would never guess it right we're mm -hmm. doing the damn thing we have businesses that are successful we have our kids going to the nice schools we're volunteering we're doing all the things yep. but at night when no one's watching we are silently killing ourselves to keep up and that's when i was like okay there's something happening here that's got to stop as I'm going through my own evolution, so did my brand. And that's why, you know, we went through that and we are where we are now. I think that so many of us, and I'm going to use the word that I hate the most, mm -hmm. had to pivot our business. Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah. We it is like yes. such a trigger word for me, but I have nothing better right now to use. Mm -hmm. So everybody kind of, I think like post pandemic, you were like, you realized how important life is, how important to have like that work-life balance mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And so people did transition their businesses or kind of figured out ways to make themselves happy. How do you have, or they're still trying to figure it out. We are definitely same. still trying to figure it out. Um, but what are some points that you have or like some guidance to help mm -hmm. guide your way to find how to live your best authentic unperfected life yeah so the universe has this crazy thing it does where it fucks you up <laughs> to get you on the right path yes. and I think the pandemic has done that to a lot of people but if you're 33 years old shout out to any 33 year olds that is a typical year that the rug comes out from underneath people. They get a divorce, they lose their job, they change course. And so I want to, first of all, normalize the phenomenon that's happening right now post-pandemic. I had my first, you know, I call it a midlife awakening, honey, but she really looked like a mental health crisis slash midlife. A little midlife. minty bee. Yeah. A little minty bee. That happened um, at 33. And, you know, a little bit about my story is that I had a kid in college and so I got a steady job right out of college. I climbed that corporate ladder for 10 years. I did all the things for all the people. And a big collective crisis and trauma, which was the Aurora Theater shooting, opened up all my trauma. And this is when the universe went ahead and said, that's not the path for you. You have trauma you need to work through. You need to get right with yourself. And I started a whole new path. And I think that thing that I went through at 33, I'm 41 now, is what so many people are going through now mm -hmm. post-pandemic. So your question was like, well, how do we navigate this yeah. shit storm? How do we find <clears throat> our best we, life? How do we figure it yeah. out? And it's terribly uh, simple and yet really gruelingly complicated at the same time, which is you got to follow what feels good. <clears throat> so... As women, this is just a general assessment in my, you know, decades of being a woman and working with women. We've disconnected from our bodies, so we don't even know what feels good anymore. Mm -hmm. We are so doing what everybody wants us to do, right? We're trying to be a good girl. We're trying to be a nurturing mom. As a leader, we can't be too strong because that's intimidating. You're we can't being be a bitch. bossy or a bitch. So we are so busy <laughs> 
disconnecting from our own internal essence and truth being all these other things that we've lost connection to what feels good. So when I say follow what feels good, follow your bliss, people look at me like, what the fuck fuck is that mean? What is my bliss? What is my joy? That's right. So number one, slow everything down. Start to become more aware. That might look like pausing, you know, three times in your day. That might look like getting into a mindfulness or meditation practice. That might look like starting to journal. That might look like going to Costa Rica and doing ayahuasca. That might look like hiring me as a coach to guide you through this process. But slow down and use mindfulness to pay attention. How do I feel when I'm running this store? Not great. How do I feel when I'm guiding this classroom? Amazing. How do I feel when I'm giving my kid a bath at night? I don't like it, right? So start to slow down and listen to the cues. Mm -hmm. I would also layer in, remember who you were when you were little. So this is where we talk a little bit about inner child. Like I was going to say, one of my favorite things with working with you. Yeah. So we won't tell the full story. Let's just get into it. Let's just say it. So I've worked with Brooke in the past. And what she would like me to say is I graduated. Yes, you did, I did. I graduated. But we also decided that we wanted to be friends. Yeah. More so than yes, a therapist and patient. But you were not my patient. <laughs> I we did things together. We did. We did. But I loved that you had me work on things that like brought me joy mm-hmm. as a child, mm-hmm. and I think like it brought me back to like coloring and coloring books. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, like yeah, and taking that time and like not feeling guilty about it. I was doing my mental health work. That's right. That's right. So like when you think about when you were little, when did you feel the most alive and like yourself? And it's going to feel silly to play with this, but it's so important. So for me, it was like, well, I felt the most like myself when I was playing in the ocean and in the waves and when I was doing something performative. So a little fun fact about me was I used to make my parents sit down and watch me perform Madonna in all of her stages and I would choreograph that shit honey I would sing it dance it makeup outfits all of it and so in my business now I look for ways that I can be performative and for me that looks like speaking engagements what we're doing right now Mm -hmm. so it's like pull out the things that actually lit you up when you were younger and look at where you can begin to layer them back in and you know my process that I guide people through is is Step one is shedding the shoulds. What are you currently doing because you think you're supposed to, not because it's actually something that brings you joy? And write all that stuff down, all the things I'm doing. What's serving me, what's not? What do I love, what do I not love? Like what lights me up, what depletes me? You're gonna start to see that we spend so much of our time doing what we think we're supposed to do to be a good person, to be successful. And I think the real assignment coming out of the pandemic is to completely um, reassign what success looks like. So it used to be, you know, get married, have the kids, make this much money, have the house, the car, the vacations. I did all that, bitch. And I burnt out at 33 years old because none of that and in that order was what my soul's purpose was, was what lit me up. So I started doing things that didn't go the way we were taught we were supposed to do. And that's how I started really touching into my magic and what lit me up. So we got to do some trial and error. We got to slow it down. We got to reconnect to who we were before the world told us who we're supposed to be. And we got to give ourselves permission as women to like change course. Mm -hmm. 
without like um without needing acceptance or validation to that like I or can feeling guilty or feeling guilty or wondering I think for us we care a lot about what people think because mm-hmm. we've had to yeah and if you really want to get there you got to stop giving fucks about what people think you know when I became a therapist I always had that coaching element and that you know, speaking the truth and cursing and being online and exposing my life. And that was all things of like, oh, you don't do that as a therapist. And I was like, that's not the therapist I am. I am a coach as well. Like who I am and what I give cannot be labeled therapist, coach, mom. It's a blend of all sorts of stuff. And once I kind of broke through those parameters and let myself just be and be guided by what feels good, that's when things really started to change in my life. And I started to find my purpose and my calling. And I started to live a, live in alignment with what I wanted. But man, there was a lot of haters. There was a lot of naysayers. You're not doing it right. How dare you say enough for it? It's like, there's still going to be that. And that's okay. But we have to just go how forward on I was like, how do you block that? Is it just being comfortable with yourself that you're like, I was telling mm-hmm. a girlfriend actually last night at dinner, I was like, I heard this statement once and it has like always stuck with me. And whenever I get into my mind, it's not a safe place up there sometimes. Um, <laughs> but when I start to be like, oh my God, it's like that's what they think about me or this is how they're going to judge me. Mm-hmm. When you realize that what people do or say has a lot more to do with them mm-hmm and less to do with you, mm-hmm. you're able to take it less personally. Totally. And be able to disassociate those two steps. So one of the things that I feel like is a strong suit of me is I can take emotions out of it and be able to step back. But I know that that's not an easy thing to do and it's just something that I've always like strived to do. How? Mm-hmm. What are some tools or tips that you have for people to kind of be able to block out all of that give less fucks yes so i think it's twofold you said two really powerful things like one knowing who you are and being unapologetic about it which we'll talk a little more about and then the other one is understanding projection so the more we peel back the layers to know who we are the more we do that inner work to create a vision for who we want to be in the life that we want we learn to protect it fiercely Mm-hmm. So if I have an, if I imagine, you know, Brooke being her most authentic self and what that would afford her in terms of people, resources, experiences in her life, I'm very connected to that vision and I have created a path to that vision and I protect that shit fiercely. That's called boundaries. So I get that you don't understand me, but I, I got a vision and I am unapologetic about it and I don't need you to understand me. And the more that I'm okay with who I am, I don't need that validation. Mm-hmm. But here's where I want you guys to get curious. I'm going to give you a little therapy, psychology, coaching yes. right here. When people put you down or question or if you find yourself afraid to take the risk or ask for the promotion or afraid to show up and pursue the thing you want, I want you to slow down You'll notice that's a theme here, friends. Slow down, get aware. Why is that so scary? What am I most afraid of? And when you start to peel back those layers, everyone is just afraid of rejection, losing connection, and their safety and security to go away. So we, act, we actually have to identify our subconscious core beliefs that are telling us the world isn't safe or we're going to lose people if we're authentic or we're not good enough. And once you start to realize, 
holy crap, these beliefs are preventing me from protecting the vision. And you start to identify them and reprogram them in your subconscious mind, you're always going to have that fear somewhere deep inside you. So we have to do this deeper work. It's not as simple as have a vision and protect it. It's you know, we operate 80 to 90% out of our subconscious, meaning yeah. 80 to 90% of the things you're doing day in and day out, you don't even realize you're doing. You're just operating on autopilot, right? So when you are driving somewhere and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Because And were, not because of cocktails. Not because but of like cocktails, like you were out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's an example of you operating out of your subconscious. If you're reading a book, but you're not reading it, but you are, another example. So we are all living out of our subconscious. And when your subconscious beliefs are telling you the world isn't safe, women should stay in their homes, you're not smart enough, you don't deserve what you're capable of. All of that is going to, A, prevent you from having the vision, protecting the vision, but also having the boundaries to not let people's bullshit get to you. Mm -hmm. So we, if we want to be fiercely unapologetic of who we are, we need to do that deeper work of identifying the stories and the narratives and the beliefs we have based on our lived experience that are holding us back. And that work is life-changing, by the way, this kind of reprogramming your subconscious beliefs. And then the other side of that is understanding projection. So a lot of people that are coming at you are coming at you because either A, there's something inside of you that you're emulating that they also have and hated about themselves or just haven't become aware of to acknowledge, accept, and integrate, or you have something that they don't, which is courage, a fearlessness, the audacity to fucking change course and live your life, the audacity to like not have a family or not get married or, or have kids with three different baby daddies. You know, like we all have Mm -hmm. our things where we went against the grain. I think we trigger people because we have the audacity to say, and so what? This is my path. So those are the two things I would say, like, look at your beliefs and what's holding you back from allowing yourself to be a trailblazer towards happiness, joy, bliss, whatever. And then also understand projection. And when you can see it that way, I have compassion for someone I'm triggering with my boldness. And I have compassion for somebody who hasn't maybe yet had the opportunity or tools, resources, courage to go for the things I'm going for. Mm -hmm. And join the club, honey. Like, let us come in. Instead of hating, come in and we rise by lifting each other. So that's kind of... Because nobody wants to sit in their shit. No. I mean, I sat in your office a lot sitting in my shit. I know. And it's not fun, but like that's how we get to understand the inner child. Mm-hmm. So something you were talking about is that inner child that's inside of us. That So tell everybody, I was like, I, I forget that not everybody has done inner child sessions work. with you or knows what <laughs> inner child is or what yeah. shadow work is. So tell everybody a little bit about who that inner child is that lives inside of us. Yeah. So first, let me give kind of an overview as to why this stuff even matters. So I work with a lot of women that are CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, C-suite level executives. And there's all these formulas to success. There's all these formulas to be a great leader. 
But the real stuff is what I call decluttering the gutter, which is doing the much deeper healing work. Mm -hmm. People just want to manifest, but they don't understand you got to heal to raise your worth to actually manifest. Mm -hmm. So I believe in coaching. I believe in goals. I believe in manifestation. But I believe the more you do this deeper work, you become more magnetic. You actually get really clear on who you are, what your magic is, and you'll get there a lot faster. And everyone wants to bypass that step because like you said, it's really painful. It's painful to look at these younger parts of you that still have big feelings or have unresolved grief and trauma. And so when we talk about the inner child, what what this really means is, you know, when zero to seven, when we're little, we are sponges and we are absorbing all the information from all the different caregivers and media and all of that. And we also, you know, have parents who have problems and we experience traumas and all of that informs who we think we are and how we see the world. And when we go from childhood, the, you know, the emotionality, the innocence, the imaginative nature of a child to a teenager, that is a very intense um, an abrupt shift where suddenly we just wake up one day and our inner teenager, our 12 year old is like, it's stupid to have feelings. It's stupid to be creative and say your new message out loud. You need to fit in. And so overnight, this older version of ourselves completely suppresses this inner child. And we're just supposed to be cool. We're no longer supposed to be imaginative, yeah. emotional. And so that inner child breaks off into our psyche and still lives inside of us. So, and then the same happens right through after adolescence and young adulthood. Suddenly, we're no longer in this like finding yourself and trying on all the identities and trying all the things. We're now supposed to have it all together at like 19, 20, 21 years old. And where does that inner teenager go? Right. And so to help the audience understand that they have an inner child, an inner teenager, when you get emotionally hooked, when you get triggered, when you're all of a sudden fighting with your partner or somebody says something in a business meeting that just gets you, I want you to pause and notice how old you feel. Because if you're really emotional, it's your inner child acting out. If you're really aggressive or combative or anxious or stuck in it's either this or that, you're in your inner teenager. And I have to say, so many of us are living, especially right now, since we've been so triggered through the pandemic and the political landscape and just there's so many things to fear and we don't have healthy, conscious adults to handle these things. So many of us are just living our day-to-day life in our inner child or in our inner teenager. And what we want to do is instead of there's no place for that emotional child, there's no place for that creativity, there's no place for controlling things. That's another um, inner teenager is controlling things. No, there's a place for all of it. But what I advise you to do is understand that as the adult healthy version of yourself, you are the CEO of all your parts. And so to give you an image, imagine like a long dinner table, you're at the head of the dinner table. All your parts have a seat at the table. So inner child, you have a part, honey. I'm gonna hear you, I'm gonna tend to you. But you're not in charge, boo-boo. Inner teenager, you also have a voice. You're gonna make sure I don't get hurt. Anybody else do crazy things to protect themselves in relationships? That's just your inner teenager protecting herself. But she shouldn't be sitting at the head of the table. But she's very powerful. And if you're not protecting yourself, she will kick your CEO ass out and she'll make the decision. She's showing up. She's showing up. 
she's and then a, you have she's all the other parts. <laughs> Mine is vicious. Same. She will cut you. Yeah. Let me just say that. So what we want to do is identify, first of all, normalize that we have these different parts. Don't shame yourself when you have a moment or a decade that you're living in your inner child or teenager. I think that like... <laughs> So I've done shadow work classes. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about inner child whenever we work together and just like in general. Mm-hmm. And then I did hypnotherapy, yeah. which was mm-hmm. mind blowing because mm-hmm. like I really didn't, I wasn't totally sold on it. But yeah. then like, as I was doing it, I was like, why did I just say that? Mm-hmm. Like, cause those parts come through and they do come through. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you identify your triggers and your inner child? Because I know that we we fight it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna tell a personal story. Let's go. When I was doing sessions with Brooke, <laughs> we, I was going through a big breakup mm-hmm. in my life, mm-hmm. and working with Brooke to kind of figure out. I was like, I'm not gonna date for a year. I'm not gonna talk to a boy. I'm not gonna do anything. I like, I gotta figure out this shit. Yeah. Like. Who am I? I'm the common denominator in all of these relationships not working out. Mm-hmm. So like I need to dig deep and figure out. And I think we worked together for a year. I, I don't know if you remember this, but I do. Mm-hmm. You, like one day I just casually brought up that like when I was 16, I walked in mm-hmm. on my exploit, like the guy that I lost my virginity to. Mm-hmm. All Your of first that, love. Mm-hmm. With my best friend <clears throat> having oh. sex. Ooh. And you were like, We have been working together for an entire year and you just now are bringing this up. And I was like, yeah, it's not a big deal because I think we, we do suppress. It's easy not to invite them into the dinner table and be like, I don't know why I explode whenever I feel like I'm being cheated on or like can't trust something. Yes. Then to like go back into those like traumas that we've had because you think like, Oh, everybody cheats. It's not a big deal. It's like, Mm-mm-mm. but like but it, is. it is. So it's how do you identify deal. those triggers or like when your inner child is like showing up? So you don't, I'm going to fast forward for everybody. So they don't have to do a year of therapy with Brooke. <laughs> and then finally be like, finally tell me the information that helps me really understand. Uh, I just remember you were like, I'm like, that's a major trauma. By the way, I want to, I want to <laughs> say that so many, um, high schoolers go through relationship trauma, whether it be through their friends who, you know, mean girls, just your best friends hooking up with your boyfriend at a party, your boyfriend was controlling your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever made you have sex with them. There's so much trauma in our high school lives that we normalized, never realized was trauma. And then come in your thirties, people come in and I'm like that, that shaped, that shaped how you saw yourself, that shaped how you um, are in relationship, the trust mm-hmm. that you have, that's major. That's not a small potato. Right. But you can't rush your own process. So like if it took you a year to get there, I want you to know that that's actually normal too. <laughs> I was like, Brooke was packing up her thing. She's like, we're done here. I yeah. can't with so you. We dropped, then we dropped the bomb. <laughs> so that stuff will come through when you're ready. So we mm-hmm. also have a part of us, several protector parts that keeps that stuff buried and puts our armor on every day because we can't just be in our wounded teenager all day long. Right. So I want you to understand that like go at your own pace. It will come through when your psyche says we're safe enough now to handle this one. 
but you know some clues that you have some stuff <laughs> that wants to come through <laughs> this this looks different for so many people but you know for me and and a lot of the people i work with it looks like perfectionism overachieving we are running from our pain with our achievements yes that's what i was doing i was hiding my trauma and my fucked upness behind my big position at work my big bonuses how you know the money i made at such a young age and i was like nobody's going to look behind the curtain and see how fucked up this really yeah. is cuz look what i'm look doing look at the success and look at me clocking in and doing all of these things and 100%. I always joke that I'm a recovering control freak. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it like sneaks up. Oh, it's... And I'm like... We're never fully no, done. we're not doing that anymore. We're like... That control freak is one of your parts, honey. A protective part that needs to be at your CEO table of life. But you're still in charge. Mm-hmm. But she'll come in and her and the teenager love to team up. <laughs> They're best friends in crime. Oh, yeah. They're like the mean girls in high school for sure. Well, they'll kick our adult ass. Yeah. So here's how, here's how, you know, what are, when you're always running to the next promotion, the next assignment, and you can't sit still, that's a clue that we might be running from ourselves. If you're always numbing, right? You're running from yourself. Um, if you, if you're sensitive and well, okay, I'm sensitive, but if you take things really personally, like feedback cuts your guts out and you can't stand to hear a negative thing about yourself or you're just emotional all the time, right? These are some warning signs that we have some deeper work to do, but go gentle, my loves. Like this is the life's work we're talking about here. And some people go their whole lives with never even Mm -hmm. talking about this stuff, acknowledging this stuff. So you're right on time with your healing. And if you're behind, the universe will kick your ass and get you on the path to healing like it did to me at age 33. Yes. Yeah. I think something that I've like been talking a lot about with girlfriends is that like the generational ideas that have been passed on to us because I'm like, you realize that we're like the ones breaking the generational curse, that you don't have to have a husband. You don't have to have the white picket fence and the two kids and the dog and the, and the all Pinterest worthy bento box school lunches barf yes. friends so I was like we're the ones because and we can't blame our mothers and grandmother like that they're was they're doing they were protecting mm-hmm. yes so then it was like it's just gone generation to generation and now I think this generation my generation is like what the fuck am we're I done. doing that yeah. no I'm not gonna have a husband just to have a husband or a cheating husband just to have a husband or the 2.5 kids whatever like I'm just not gonna do it I'm gonna make life on my own terms because I mean if you look at it just like historically statistically Mm -hmm. 50 years ago a woman couldn't walk into a bank Mm -hmm. and like open a checking account or get a credit card so we had to get married that's right we had to have a family yeah you had to make yourself like relevant to stick around. Yes. So you had to do some things. You didn't get to follow your bliss. You had to do some things to stay safe in the world. So how do we like accept our parents? Because right, they're just trying to protect mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. they only know what they know. Totally. And my parents' generation are not doing therapy. They're not Mm-mm. digging deep. Mm-mm. And like maybe next lifetime for maybe you. Maybe next. Right. <laughs> like right. I hope that for you. Like I'm letting it go. Yeah. I don't expect you to be somebody different. Mm-hmm. This is your world. How do we move past like those people that are closest to us mm-hmm. telling us how we should mm-hmm. live our lives and the standards that have been 
kind of generationally gifted or told to us. Yeah, passed down. Mm-hmm. said that these are your expectations. Yeah, I think you're bringing up a really important topic here because as fun as it is to say, hey women, live your best life. Hey women, you can actually do for you now. There was there was a you before there was a wife and a mother and a blah, blah, blah. Um, there's probably a lot of people listening and going, but how? And, I, you know, my mom just said the other day that at least your husband doesn't beat you. Yeah. Like... So you are, you are still up against energies that are telling you it's not safe to live in this way, 100%. And you're even up against women your own age that are mm-hmm. saying, you know, you need to be married and serving your husband and, and all of those things. So we are not where we need to be with that. But we are not going to blame our mothers and our grandmothers. The feminine has taken enough beatings We are not blaming our mothers and our grandmothers. We are integrating their strength, their wisdom to stay the course of all this. We are pulling from their magic. We are healing from their generational wounding. And we are not needing them to fully understand it, but just be the example. You don't have to therapize your mom. You don't have to change your grandma, but you do have to have boundaries where it doesn't, again, pull you off the path to your vision while also being the example of transformation. Because I think deep down when your grandmother sees you kicking ass, she's rooting for you. 100%. When your mom sees you doing the thing that she always wanted to do, she's rooting for you. Um, It's just, it's that fear factor. It's the fear. And if they're not, it's because they want it. Oh, this is about to get deep, friends. (laughs) Their protective parts are parenting us, telling us we cannot live this way because it's not safe. Yeah. So they don't know yet that they have a protective part and a CEO self-energy they need to get into. And so that's not something to blame them for or shame them for. It's just to have compassion for where they are and understanding for where they are. And also that your protective part is sure as fuck not going to determine how I live my life. Mm -hmm. My protective part isn't going to determine. So why would yours? So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot on us right now to break this generational stuff and when it's messy we're not going to get it right and our kids are going to do it better than we did but at least we can raise our hands and say wait a minute you know I tell my clients the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your questions and I learned that from someone else that's not my my word of wisdom but if you're willing to look at your life with courage and go what the fuck is working and what isn't why am I doing it why are we embracing this institution of marriage and acting like it's the only way to receive love why are we doing it this way any longer when we can ask those big questions man we really change the energy and we shift the direction we're going in and we don't have to go much further than that our generation is questioning and that's really all we have to do anything beyond that is extra now it's on you young folks now it's on you Chloe (laughs) She's fierce, well, though. Chloe, listen. Listen. Chloe and Georgia. Oh. President and vice president of the United States. Watch out. I mean, I look at, like, my nieces and nephews, and I'm just like, oh, you guys are, like, not taking shit from anybody. No. Like. Chloe came out ready to be CEO of our household, and man. Yeah. Yeah. More power to her. Yes. More power to her. So, kind of coming out of we've talked a lot about like Mm post-pandemic how do you find like 
besides slowing down, mm-hmm. connecting to your, your younger parts, self, your parts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Throw that dinner party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get them all sitting down at the table. Yeah. I think like bit like I think that's all personal wise, mm-hmm. but like in a business, mm-hmm. how do you kind of transition like your role? Like I think that's something that mm-hmm. I've struggled with of like oh, this is expected of me and this is the role that I have. So like, how do I hire new people and how do I justify spending that money mm-hmm. for a salary? But I think we've all realized how important our personal lives are and like protecting that. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of figure out those ways and tools to integrate that into your, your business? Yes. And say, this is my new role and I'm not as attainable as I maybe once was Mm -hmm. this is your go-to this is your point yeah absolutely so you people think that I'm always recommending they completely like quit their jobs and like (laughs) go string a guitar on the corner right which by the way if that's what your soul wants to do do it yes but But it needs to be like a it doesn't have to be like a overnight like I'm following my bliss fuck everything like we have we have responsibilities we have have things yes so yes how do you slowly gradually like set those boundaries find the boundaries Mm -hmm. it's an integration it's a shedding process so you look at what you're doing right now so like for you with glamour bar you look at what you're doing right now and you go okay so this is my stability, right? This is my bread and butter. This pays the bills. What works on autopilot? I've worked my fanny off to have this brand. People come. This is great. What part of that, being the boss of that, being the founder, the CEO, what of that fills my tank versus deplete it? So the same exercise I give you for your personal, you do it for work. Then you look at, okay, what part of me when I was younger do I miss? Well, I miss being in nature. I miss being performative. You look at your current job and you go, where can I layer that in? Well, I'm going to launch a podcast or I'm going to launch a women's networking group because I miss connection or whatever. So you shed the stuff and you outsource it to someone else and you layer in pieces that are more in alignment. And over time, you're going to find yourself working out of the role that you were in and into a new role that that you want to be in. And also allow that to happen a little bit organically too. So if you do slow down, and you do create space for yourself to do the deeper work and you follow your bliss and you do more of what feels good, the most brilliant ideas are gonna start to channel through you. So have a practice, even if it's 10 minutes a day, where you get quiet and you get still. And maybe you're sitting on a meditation pillow, maybe you're hiking in the mountains, maybe you're walking your dog. I don't really care what, but basically you wanna regulate your nervous system, get your brain into a theta wave state, and start just being with yourself. And before you know it, you're going to have these downloads, for whether you believe it, that's coming spiritually or from your own inner guidance system, which by the way, as women, our, our superpower is intuition. Mm-hmm. It's been guiding us all along, but it's never gotten any credit. Like where have you ever gotten a promotion based on your intuition? It's not even in the language of leadership and success. It's starting to now, a little late. But like we've cut off the communication to the part of us that knows exactly what we need. So create the space to get still. It's going to start to come through you. I want to launch this. I want to do more of that. And then go do it. 
but you should have created the space to go do it because you've already done your list of what lights you up and what doesn't. You've hired a virtual assistant. You've hired an office manager. You've hired another person. You may have even hired someone to run your whole fucking business. Now you have this space, but get still first. We spend so much time trying to analyze the next step, but we're mostly intuitive, energetic, emotional beings that sometimes think. So why are we relying so heavily on this part-time conscious mind to help us know what's next? That is the old paradigm. The new paradigm is shut up and listen. She already knows. Mm -hmm. And then let her be the guide. And then dabble and come back. Dabble and come back. Dabble. You don't have to throw your life savings at it. You can, you can save up for it. There's ways you can do it that are safe and with intention. But first you have to clear the space and then you have to get really still and listen and trust. And people are at different levels of ability to do that. Like I said, as women, we disconnect from our bodies when we become teenagers and realize our body isn't perfect. And then maybe we've gone through some sort of assault or eating disorder and it's only gotten worse. And so a lot of times we have to start there of like, can we start, can we stop abusing our bodies so mm-hmm. we can attune back into our freaking wisdom? And so wherever you are on this journey, again, if you're willing to do the deeper work, it's going to clear out so you can get clear on what that vision is. I'd love that. Does that even answer your question? I think, I think so. Hopefully there's a tidbit in there, honey. You can write <laughs> down. <laughs> I was like, I think something that I heard recently, I did, we were talking about energy. Mm-hmm clearing and work Mm -hmm. and I saw this energy healer and I didn't want to admit that things were trauma I didn't want to admit like Mm -hmm. walking in on the boy that I fell in love with was like fucking my best friend I didn't Mm. want to admit that that was like a trauma because I think that we do compare traumas Mm -hmm. to like assault or like yeah rape a lot of abuse like they're like the bigger picture They're and the, we don't those want are capital T traumas for sure. Mm-hmm. So how do you, I think that for me it was like, Oh, like it doesn't have to be mm. this horrific thing yeah. to be a trauma. Because I think when we hear, at least for me, like when I hear trauma, I think of like something really bad. Mm-hmm. So I think just talk a little bit about mm-hmm. like how you can identify those traumas. Like it could be something super small mm-hmm. that impacted you at a very young age even in utero so like there's trauma in utero like I've been feeling this intuitively since before I was a mother how is something that we celebrate and is so beautiful but we only focus on the positive which is birth not traumatic for mama and baby I'm sorry that's trauma okay um so we have a trauma now we understand is a spectrum yes there's there's lowercase t trauma and there's capital and there's a lot in between and the way i like to describe it is anytime your precious little system was shook like the world stopped and you shook that's a trauma to our system. That's a detachment from ourselves and from love and safety. So when you think that you're, you and your boyfriend are tight, and by the way, at that age developmentally, our worth is tied into our relationship. So everything that, every, the only thing that matters in high school is our relationships. Mm-hmm. And when your one relationship that you're supposed to be the most comfortable in and secure in betrays you like that, your little system, whether you were conscious of it or not, when you walked in and saw that, it shook her. 
It made her stop in time and say, what in the actual fuck? Why would he do this to me? What did I do to deserve? Blah, blah, blah. That's a trauma. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing is, is so much literature and research is starting to come out about this. Yeah. And so I feel like it is becoming it. more normal to not just have like these the big T traumas mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you can realize that it is all of these like little things that, that can affect you Yeah, and your relationships yes. or how you work with people. 100%. So like a small example for me was in second grade and in fifth grade, I was made fun of by a teacher in my classroom setting. One was because I couldn't hear because I actually had like seven sets of tubes because I grew up in the beach and I'm literally like three quarters deaf in one of my ears. Also why I'm so loud. I can't hear myself. I had a teacher make fun of me that I couldn't hear him. And then I had another teacher. I was writing a story and I, for some reason, Pepto-Bismol was in my story and I spelt it Pepto-Bismo and he wrote it on the board for everyone to laugh at. And those two experiences were traumatic for me and that they made me from that moment on think I was stupid. So now I have this core belief that I'm not smart enough. Mm -hmm. I'm courageous enough. I'm energetic enough. I've always thought it's my work ethic that will carry me through. And that belief that I'm not smart has completely stunted me in my life. And so that little example is another example of a trauma that doesn't seem like it's a trauma, but it absolutely shaped, shaped me, affected me. And now as an adult, I had to do the work to like put that on the table and be like, I'm not smart, really? What what evidence do I have of that? I have ideas for days. Like, no, I actually am smart. It was these things that gave me that belief. How do I reprogram that belief? So listen, there's still a lot of people that are going to feel resistance to this notion that we all have trauma. It's their protective part wanting to protect them. But the truth is, my loves, we all have trauma. It's unavoidable. And comparing your trauma to someone else's does absolutely nothing for anyone involved. What we want to do is say, yep, all of our systems have been completely rocked at some point. This is why we're dysregulated. This is why we are hypervigilant. This is why we are sabotaging things. Now what do we do with that information? We start to heal. And the cool thing is, is we actually can heal. Our bodies on a cellular level are always changing. We now know the brain is malleable. So just because we accept that we have trauma, it's not a life sentence, my friends. We can, we're changing, you and I are changing just having this conversation. And so we need to have more conversations like this and we're going to get through it and we're going to be more authentic when we do our trauma work because when we are living behind our trauma, we're actually living in our protector and we don't even know it. And boy, is that putting some blinders on to our potential and who we really are when we stay in that. And I think something that you said that I like always try to stay cognizant of Mm -hmm. is that we, we do need to have these conversations and we do need to talk about it, but I think Sometimes you're like, oh, my trauma's not as big as hers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't lose somebody in that capacity. And I'm always like, like it's not a comparison. Just because Mm-mm. my trauma's big or small doesn't mean that Mm-mm. your big or small trauma can't come to the table. That's right. Let's throw a big-ass dinner party. Seriously. Let's bring them all in. Seriously. <laughs> and like, we have to remember that little traumas here can open up previous traumas little what seems like little losses here or big losses pull up old and then we also have the collective pain and suffering so what seems like a small trauma if you're a sensitive person and also has intergenerational and past lives trauma all this stuff right we all have trauma in our past lives we have to understand that it's not just that one incident it's 
this now common theme to our little being that says, wow, look at all the ways in which I'm unsafe. Look at all the ways in which I'm violated. Look at all the ways in which I'm rejected and not enough. And that file becomes really big and we can either preventatively get in there in that file and do the work or some catastrophe will happen and you'll be forced to do the work. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the most successful people in the world, they've done their work. They haven't just set goals and you know forged through they've done the healing they've done the psychotherapy they've done all the healing modalities they've tried all the micro dosings they've done energy healing they've done it all because once they cleared all that out it was like so clear who they were so we got to do the work we do something that i did with you that i like loved was brain spotting Mm -hmm. so like you were talking about the brain can be rewired Mm -hmm. and changed and we can kind of adapt and identify those traumas and move through Mm -hmm. so how do you know what tools you should kind of do you trust your gut is that how you decide like because I think that like obviously energy healing like I'm always that's a modality I'm like listen I'm gonna do it all yeah, like do it crystals, all. Crystals. Yep. What do what do we got? Cro- I cross like, pollinate all of it. Mm-hmm. But how do you kind of determine what's right for you, or like, should you be in therapy? Should mm-hmm. you be doing something like brain spotting? Should you be doing energy healing? Like, how do you kind of guide people mm-hmm. to find to that right thing for them? Because I think you hear a lot, like, oh, I went to therapy once and I hated my therapist and I like, I'm not doing it again. Yeah, you do hear that a lot because a lot of times talk therapy will only take you so far, especially if you don't even know what your trauma is, Mm -hmm. you know? And also the trauma is not held in your thinking brain. Right. It's held deep in your limbic system and in your body. So when people know that they have trauma, that they're ready to process, brain spotting, EMDR, and somatic experiencing, also combined with energy stuff. I love that. Also combined with movement, nutrition, all the basics, right? So that's where I tend to guide people. It's like when you're really ready to hit that trauma head on, brain spotting, EMDR, and somatic experiencing are the best therapies because they're brain body based. And the trauma is in the body. We have to move it through the body. But there's lots of modalities out there. Mm-hmm. You know, breath work now. We're learning how powerful breath work is. And tapping. And tapping, and yes. Meditation. And yes. all of, yes. like, there's so many things. So when I, when you set your intention of I'm ready to heal, to level up, all of these resources are going to start falling into your lap and just be curious and let it go, right? Maybe it's Gabby Bernstein's book and then it's, you know, my course and then it's this guru and then it's this retreat, right? Just trust that once you say to the universe, I am ready to surrender and do the damn work, here comes all the resources and just keep saying yes and following what feels good. And your your path and your journey to healing is not going to be a linear path. It's going to go forwards, backwards, sideways, diagonal, trust it. Trust that you're listening to this podcast right now because you needed this message. And now, you know, go to my page or do something, you know, like trust that these resources are falling in your lap for a reason. And say yes and go and see what helps. But, you know, for me personally, I have all my little routines and rituals, honey. I I have biohacks for days. I have a morning ritual, a half day ritual, an evening ritual. I've done all the different therapies. I've done... Um, a lot of different spiritual things. I, 
like tapping, I do energy healing, um, I work with intuitives, all that stuff. And I can't say there's one thing. I mean, brain spotting actually saved me from postpartum depression that made me suicidal. So I will say if you're in a more desperate situation, getting into a brain spotting or an EMDR is really the best place to start. Tell everybody a little bit about brain spotting. Yes. And what it is, what it does, just for anybody that doesn't know. Yeah, brain spotting helps us when we go through a trauma, it gets stuck in deep in the body or deep in the brain in our limbic system and it gets held energetically in our body. And what that does is it informs our amygdala and our nervous system that we have more to be afraid of. And so we're always a little bit more um, hypervigilant or on edge to things. And so what brain spotting does is through bilateral stimulation. So we have music that's kind of forcing your right and left hemisphere to communicate, which allows us to get deeper into the brain. Um, we basically look for a spot because when we experience trauma, our eyes were in a position and that experience of that trauma came in through the retina, through the optic nerve and got deep into the brain. And if it was traumatic, it got stuck there. It didn't get filed with our healthy memories. So by following this kind of wand, you find a spot or your therapist helps you find a spot. It helps us access that little file in your, deep in your brain where your trauma is stored. And once we identify it, the rest of your brain starts to heal it and you release it from your body. And we are literally just in the beginning stages of understanding the brain and brain spotting. Like there's probably so much information that's new from what I'm telling you right now and the last conference that I went to. But what we're doing is trying to get deep into the brain where the trauma is stuck, pull it out, file it. And by the way, you have this like epiphany. It's very bizarre. It's a very interesting experience where mm -hmm. you can remember your trauma or not. That's what I like about brain spotting over EMDR. You don't have I to remember. I fell asleep during my brain spotting with you. Remember? Yes. And that works. I was just like falling asleep. I was yeah. like, I'm sorry. I just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> and nap. it's still so working. It just, yes. So whenever you guys, if you find yourself in a gay spot where you're suddenly looking in a direction and it feels really good and you have like an out-of-body experience and you get really mad when someone fucks with that, your brain is brain spotting. You are stopping in time, you are deep in your brain and you are processing information. So brain spotting is helping us process information and then release it energetically from the body. So I do love brain spotting, but I also am a huge fan of EMDR, which we also offer in our practice. Um, so it's, again, it's about which, what modality finds you and what therapist do you really connect with to feel safe mm -hmm. enough to do that work. But, um, yeah, we're just trying to process what we've been holding on to that is totally affecting how we see the world. And the more you clear that out, you can clear out traumas you didn't even know you had. You can clear out beliefs that are holding you back. And then there's also a part of brain spotting that's called expansion, which I love to do with leaders of like, once you clear out the trauma, you start to rewire your neurobiology to get behind your bigger vision. And when you have your intention, your subconscious and your neurobiology all rooting for you to get there, you start to catapult your growth. And that's been really fun to play with too. As a therapist, a mom, coach, all of those things, how do you protect your energy mm -hmm. when you're working with people? Just how do you stay grounded throughout the day? Yeah. Like we were talking about, there's a lot of heavy energy in the world. Mm -hmm. Just 
walking out on the street. Totally. Not even working in the industry that you're working in. So how do you stay grounded and protect that? Yeah, I mean, this is really important because I do sense things and I feel things deeply and they make me uncomfortable in my body. And so I have had to like find this over years and years and years, but basically energetic boundaries. So I start my day with kind of a cleansing and grounding ritual to get really centered into my body. I put a teepee on at this glittery translucent teepee that is my physical boundary of energy where I can see out and people can see in. In fact, it's even beautiful, but I can stay connected but protected. Um, I'll do little rituals in between clients where I literally just imagine if anything got into the teepee, I give energy back that I have retrieved and then I retrieve any of my energy that I've given back. I do a lot to become aware of what's mine versus what's theirs. If I'm feeling sick in any sort of way, the first question I ask is whose energy have I picked up? And then I schedule accordingly. So, you know, we just got back from retreat. I knew I was going to be doing deep work with 19 women. I had two days to not be with clients. So I could take that to the next level and sage myself and sage my house and journal and do a longer meditation and be out in nature and go for a long walk. So there's a lot that I do, but it all really just starts with this awareness of like, what have I gathered and whose is it really? Mm -hmm. And how can I even just in my mind's eye, which means imagining it, give it back. But cleansing, grounding, awareness, and setting myself up for success where I have kind of an easing into a thing where I might have a lot of energy coming at me and easing out. Um, And a lot of times that looks like not doing much at all because I could go to a restaurant and pick up on all the energies and suddenly I'm not having a good time because I don't even know why. So I have to really protect what I do with whom I do it. And you, if you do this work that we've been kind of talking about this whole time around slowing down and listening to your body, your body will tell you when you need an energy cleanse, when you're not in the right company, when you need better boundaries and all of that information. But rituals all day long, honey, that's, that's my go-to. How do you, um, well, this is a question that I feel like I ask a lot of people, the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Is it a achievable a thing it's a blend. or do we just need to like stand that idea and blend it together? Yeah. I mean, everybody has a different take on this, but my take is like, what do we need a work-life balance for if we're living our best life every day? And trusting what feels good yes. and being around the people that feel good to you. Yes. And-, and not following the rules of I should do more. I mm-hmm. should make more money. So I think instead of crafting the perfect balance, It's like, do this work that we're talking about today and you're going to start to build out a life, days, weeks, and months that are manageable, maybe even joyful and pleasurable. It's not to say every day is rainbows and butterflies, but like I look at my calendar and there's not a single day on it that I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do that? Where five years ago, every day was like, how the fuck am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. So if you're genuinely getting right with yourself, and shedding the shoulds and claiming the space and creating the life for you, it's all balanced. There's highs and lows and ups and downs, but none of it is so destructive because it's true for you. So there is no formula to balance. It's more of a blend, but follow what feels good and do more of that. And it's going to be easier to attain. I love that. Yeah. 
thank you so much yes. for joining us. I feel like we could go on and on and on. We could. Like, we could go for hours. We need another episode. Yes. Juicy. What are some Juicy. books that you love or have been life-changing for you? Totally. So anything Brene Brown, I started with The Gifts of Imperfection, but she just released atlas of the heart which mm-hmm. is all about emotions and i think there's also an hbo max if you're not I, a I i did i did all i did her yeah her shows uh-huh. first and then went back through but people ask me every day how do i clear emotion how do i process emotion it starts with identifying and naming it most of us only have four that we can think of so you know i have become much more emotionally intelligent through her work untamed by glennon doyle talk about just a quick easy read that inspires you you to shed shoulds and live your best life yes um if you want something a little bit more philosophical the power of now or really anything by Eckhart Tolle and uh the untethered soul are also really good um burnout so learning about you know the stress cycle and stressors has been I'm just really like powerful. are you looking at my bookshelf oh, right now all of these yes. oh my gosh I love it i I have two bookshelves filled and I currently have three books that I haven't been able to even start yet. Yeah, you are a badass. That's a great one. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is another great that one. That is a good one. Um, yeah. If you're in a life transition though, there's um, William Bridges is a transition expert. He has a book just called Transitions that is magical. If you're like, if you just lost your job or getting a divorce or whatever um that's another one that's a beautiful guide to help you along the way but there's a lot more okay i'm totally drawing a blank on my favorite book ever that i feel like needs to be added to this list and now i like buy this book for everybody why can't i remember can we cut this um one of my favorites is the alchemist so that good. took me a minute to come up with but that's okay because it's I'm glad we did because that one is absolutely quick and easy read such um, a quick and easy read but like so mind-blowing mm-hmm. and I have bought it after listening to a super soul you know she's my queen and mm-hmm. uh, she interviewed him and I was like who is this man mm-hmm. I want him to like be my friend mm-hmm. so I ordered the alchemist and read it it was amazing it's such a good one for sure well, thank you for your recommendations and yes. thank you for being here today. Yes. I feel like we're going to have to do another episode. I we could mean, just go on and on and on. Right. Forever. Yes. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. Tell everybody too where they can connect with you, which we'll put into links and whatever, but. Absolutely. So follow my messy life on Instagram at Unperfected, and the website is liveunperfected.com. You can find all of our goodies right then and there, so. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Lindsay Wilson, and you've been listening to Business of Glam. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe, review, and download this podcast. If you're ever in the Denver area, be sure to come by and see us at Glamour Bar. Until then, stay glam.